And he stated that a person could only gain about five pounds of lean muscle mass per year. So if they started out at 150 pounds, they'd weigh about 155 pounds with the added muscle at the end of the year. But over the course of five years, they would have added five pounds per year every year for five years, so five times five is 25. They would gain 25 pounds of lean muscle mass. That would double their muscle mass. They would weigh at about 175 or 180 pounds and look like Mr. Universe. That's right, it's that simple. A lot of training and some genetics and certainly probably some hormone augmentation. Hello, I'm Dr. Nick Delgado. I'm a health educator and I'd like to share with you my years of experience regarding protein requirements. Why is protein requirements so important? I'd have to tell you that the requirements for human nutrition and protein is the most misunderstood topic of everything that I've reviewed in the last 40 years. Furthermore, I would like to tell you that I believe it's this confusion that has led to more disease more problems with osteoporosis and bone loss, more problems with cancer, an increased rate of obesity, all because oftentimes foods that are high in animal proteins are often very high in fat and cholesterol and devoid of fiber. So let's get to the truth about what you as an individual requires truly at any stage of life, whether it's a child, a young adult, a senior, or a professional athlete. I'm going to give you all that and more. So the first myth that I'd like to be concerned about is do athletes need more animal protein? The next one is plant or is animal protein better for absorption in humans? And I emphasize humans because we're going to review the studies regarding animals and the confusion that I believe was set about for a specific reason. An agenda that was a financial agenda by the food industry. And the next one is are plant proteins complete proteins? Now if you have any further questions, please post them along the course of this talk or at the end, and I'll be happy to have my staff or I will answer these questions and more. But I think you'll find this very, very complete in its review of the literature. I would tell you that the first confusion began because of the original published studies based on what's called PER, protein efficiency ratio, where Osborne and Mendel, way back in 1920, actually took rats and they fed them various foods and put them in different cages. And one cage would have been labeled the rats eating potatoes, another cage being labeled the rats eating eggs, and so forth. And at the end of the study, they came up with their findings that rats absorbed animal-based proteins better than they did absorb plant-based proteins. Well, later a study was done where they gave human breast milk, which is only 6% protein, and the rats didn't grow very well. And based on that, you would have to say that human milk is an incomplete protein and improper for human needs. And yet we know that's far from the truth because humans grow during the most rapid period of their life from birth to age two, and if they're breastfed during that time, that is the only nutrition they need. Quite frankly, it's the best source of protein for humans on the planet. Now we look at rats when they are fed, of course, rats breast milk, they grow to full size and there's no limitation. So rats milk is over 25% protein, which mimics very closely to the other animal-based protein foods that you've been led to believe are good for you, whether it be eggs, cheese, meat, or dairy product. 
In this review of a chart showing human breast milk with only 1.1 grams of protein per 100 grams, that is 5.7% protein. While whole cow's milk is 3.5 grams of protein, which makes it about a whopping 21% protein, comparable to rat's milk, which is about 25% protein. Now, skim milk with 3.6 grams of protein delivers 40% protein, far more than the human would need based on this comparison. Now, we must realize that even looking at the bonobos monkeys, which of all the animals on the planet are a 94.6 genetic match to humans. They stand upright, they uh, originate from Zaire, Africa, they eat a plant protein-based diet, and really, uh, quite frankly, their diet is very close to what the human diet probably uh, developed into over the course of millions of years. Now, if we compare uh, infants, when infants are fed hydrolyzed rice protein-based formula, the, the infants, uh, when compared to those given intact milk protein-based formulas, despite some amino acid differences, according to the Mer American Journal of Nutrition, February 2006, the infants grew with normal growth, the tolerance was well for the rice protein, and the plasma biochemistry was comparable. So there was no difference. In fact, the rice protein was tolerated overall quite well. There was some belief that rice protein was limiting or missing certain, certain amino acids. So another study was done uh, in Taiwan where they added lysine and theronine, which gave back the limiting or missing amino acid. It wasn't really missing. It was just in a lower ratio. And they measured the growth of these uh, young infants and the growth and the nitrogen balance in the infants on a rice-based diet supplemented with lysine and theronine was no difference than if it was supplemented or not supplemented, meaning it didn't require the added limiting amino acid. Rice itself then, based on that study, is a complete nutritional food and protein. And the fact that rice has complex carbohydrates in it, it has what's called a protein-sparing effect. That protein-sparing effect contributes glucose, which is the principal fuel of the brain and of the muscles. And it protects the muscles from being digested because the muscles need energy from glucose first. Otherwise, if you don't get enough glucose, your body breaks down into what's called protein deaminization. It starts breaking down the actual muscle tissue if you don't get enough calories overall, particularly from complex carbohydrates, which do have the best protein sparing effect, even better than protein itself. In other words, if you ate all protein on a 500 calorie diet, the protein sparing effect would not be as good as if you had a combination of complex carbohydrates giving the glucose and the protein within, say, that uh, lower calorie diet. Not that I'm advocating that low of a calorie diet, but the fact is we absorb the protein best in combination with other complex carbohydrates. In another long-term study by Knapp, on 102 infants aged 5 to 14 months, there was no difference in growth rate between the babies fed milk proteins compared to babies fed vegetable proteins. And this is interesting and published in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition. And I can tell you this, that over the years, most studies published in nutrition textbooks are not showing the results of human studies and the nutritional food intake and protein nitrogen absorption. Indeed, they still to this day tend to only favor the old rat studies for a good reason. I believe it's because they don't want you to be aware of the high probability and the excellent absorption of plant-based proteins versus animal-based protein foods. Uh, the 
textbooks, as I learned when I was in college a long time ago, but the college uh, were generally uh, supplied textbooks that were sponsored or uh, funded by the meat or dairy industry. Again, another special interest group. When we look at, uh, in my own experience with uh, my children, and when Nicholas uh, was born and uh, Roman was born, and even my uh, oldest son, um, uh, Jason, and, and Cherish, and Lance, each of them uh, were raised on essentially, or their mom started off on a plant-based protein diet. I can say that uh, the, the, the incident where my son Jason was being fed um, breast milk, which was certainly the best source of nutrition, but he was colicky and he had some very uh, d difficult problems with stomach upset. And it turns out that his mom at the time was consuming milk and it was somehow passing some of the milk protein antigens through the breast milk and causing my son to be uh, seriously disturbed. Uh, from a physical standpoint. And so Dr. Paul Fleiss at that time, who's no longer with us, a great pediatrician who was a professor at USC and UCLA, stated very clearly that a vegan whole-based plant-based diet would be more than sufficient and uh, that you could consume the milk but be careful what the mother consumes because that affects the baby. Really important good advice in this day and age. Uh, Dr. Fleiss was also one of the early uh, pioneers teaching that we did not have to vaccinate our children that is for another subject on another day if you look at the website fightvaccines.com. Uh, Dr. Lee, by the way, did a, another uh, study where he fed um, young college students a diet of chicken only or chicken and rice. And he was fully prepared to think that the group eating the chicken only compared to the rice and chicken diet they did another subgroup of just rice only, and they found out the group eating the rice only absorbed 20% more nitrogen protein than the group eating the chicken and the rice or the chicken only. Dr. Lee uh, published his studies, and it, it was quite amazing to, to see that people are not aware of these original published studies. You see, the human body is quite amazing. It recycles virtually all of the protein tissues for example, the intestines slough off uh, the cells as they turn over very rapidly. And as they slough off into the general uh, digestive process, these intestinal cells are used as grams of protein. As much as 30 grams of protein a day is supplied by your own intestines due to natural turnover and the creation of new intestinal cells. But a bigger source of protein comes from your own recycling of your body enzymes. The body enzymes have both digestive enzymes, metabolic enzymes, and then externally we get food enzymes. Now, it's interesting that the, the internal and external enzyme recycling, particularly the internal endogenous, contributes over 150 grams of quality protein a day that's recycled back into the general system to mix in with other proteins consumed from digestive enzymes and or the protein within foods themselves. So it's virtually impossible to develop a protein deficiency on a whole food plant-based diet or almost any kind of a diet that has some amount of protein, which we've discovered that when people are put on a protein-free diet, say on a glucose um, IV feed or a diet that's just designed to be completely devoid of protein, uh, men, 154-pound uh, men, excrete on average of 24 grams of protein a day. That Most of that comes out in perspiration or out of the feces and so forth. And as it is excreted, we know we should replace at least 24 grams of quality protein a day. And to state that some people need as much as 1.2 grams of protein per day 
is really misleading and potentially harmful. And I'll cover that information a little bit later. So that means essentially, to make it simple, if you weigh 150 pounds divided by three, you only need about 50 grams of protein a day, uh, which almost doubles your true protein requirement. And a 200 pound individual would need no more than three divided into 267 grams of protein a day, even if they're an athlete. And I'll explain that in a little bit as well. And really, uh, this amount of protein that's highly absorbed uh, will contribute to the reproduction or the uh, utilization of enzymes, the production of hormones, muscle, and tissue. So in most cases, most textbooks far overstate the need for human nutrition in terms of protein that's required. Dr. Kempner, Walter Kempner at Duke University, uh, published his results in the Archives of Internal Medicine back in 1949, and he uh, shocked the medical community, showing that in 100, uh, uh, 100 adults, those given a 20 grams of protein per day. Now remember, you only need about uh, 24 grams of protein a day to be replaced. So he knew at about 20 grams of protein per day on a 4% plat protein diet, 3% fat, 93% complex carbohydrates, coming mainly from rice and fruit, that all of the individuals were in positive nitrogen balance. That's right. They absorbed all the protein they need, needed from just eating rice and fruit in sufficient calories to meet their caloric needs. Now, since each of these individuals in most cases were way overweight, the average individual reduced over 146 pounds over the course of one year. That's right. On a rice fruit diet, in the course of a year, they reduced over 146 pounds. Amazing on a rice fruit diet and getting all the protein they needed, never being protein deficient. And more than that, most of these individuals were very sick. They came to Dr. Kempner with diabetes, with severe kidney disease, hypertension, and heart disease. And he was fully prepared thinking, gosh, I'm gonna be giving these people all this rice and fruit, all those sugars, carbohydrates. We better be prepared to um, inject them with uh, more insulin. Uh, they're clearly gonna need more insulin on this high carbohydrate diet. And to his shock and amazement, after one month or so, one or two months, on the low fat, and that's a very important key point, and you can look that up on my YouTube video, How to Become Diabetic in Six Hours. You'll understand more about it when I share that video with you. But he discovered that on the rice fruit diet, so long as it was low in fat, no added oils or fats or meats or cheeses, these individuals, their insulin uh, was more sensitive as the body uh, digested some of the periphery uh, fats that interfere with insulin metabolism and the blood sugar levels normalized and most of these people got off of insulin and were normalized with healthy blood sugar levels over the course of an entire year. Now, the whole reason Dr. Kempner put these people uh, on a high carbohydrate, low fat diet and low protein diet was because they came to him in near end stages of kidney failure. And kidney failure, the only treatment of choice is to put them on a, as low a protein diet as possible. And he really tried to figure out how can you put them on a low protein diet? What's the lowest protein foods there are? And he first figured out fruit was on average low in protein, but close to human breast milk, the average of fruit is three to four percent, five, six percent protein when you add in rice. Um, and then he went further because he couldn't get the protein intake low enough for these kidney disorder patients as he monitored their kidney function. So 
he, he got the brainstorm after a, a, a few months as they were continuing to lose weight to add in white sugar. That's right, white sugar into the, their mix. And the individuals still had normalized blood sugar levels. Their kidney function was restored. He saved most of the individual's kidneys and their blood pressure came down to normal and heart disease was essentially reversed. That is the plaques in their arteries. He wasn't measuring that at the time, but their heart function improved. And now we have studies to prove that a uh, high plant-based protein diet, low in fat, high in fiber and complex carbohydrates is the best intervention, according to Dr. Dean Ornish, um, Dr. Caldwell Esselstein, who I've interviewed, and of course, Nathan Pritikin, who was my mentor. It was Nathan Pritikin that first introduced me to the Walter Kempner Duke University diet. And it was quite fascinating to me, and I'll never forget, because at the time, I, I liked lifting weights, and I was an athlete, and I came to work at the Pritikin Institute in 1978, uh, at the ripe young age of uh, all of us, see, 1955, 78, so I was uh, 23 years young. And at 23, uh, I, I had read the medical literature, and I went on the Pritikin diet because I was quite overweight. I had seen Nathan Pritikin on 60 Minutes, and he convinced me uh, after I met with him in person after a six-hour seminar in Pasadena, California, uh, it, back in 1977-78, that that man, that Nathan Pritikin, had uh, told a story about the possibility that we could not only prevent and reverse most chronic diseases, now, uh, Michael Greger in his new book, um, How to Not Die, uh, goes through all the medical literature going back to the Pritikin days, who Nathan Pritikin was the one who motivated um, Michael Greger to write this book. It's now a New York Times bestseller as of December of uh, 2015. So I was intrigued, back to my story. I was intrigued, but I was concerned. I thought, gosh, if I go on just rice and fruit and vegetables and potatoes and beans, I may not get enough protein. So for the first year, I clung to consuming chicken and fish along with my high complex carbohydrate diet. But to my chagrin, uh, my cholesterol would not come down properly and my blood pressure was starting to come down, but I had still a problem and I was concerned. Uh, I'd already had a TIA, a trans ischemic attack, and that uh, caused me to search out the Pritikin approach. And so it was uh, after a few months, that after I decided I would go off of all chicken and fish, and I still slipped in egg whites during the course of the year, but it was after a year I finally was convinced that it would be safe to go off the egg whites and the chicken and fish and just go completely vegan. That was really ahead of its time at that time. Uh, and I remember consuming those foods and watching my muscle density and, and seeing my workouts and my training, and I was able to improve uh, the, the intensity of my training. I noticed my muscle density actually improved. And it's, I'm not the only one that ever experienced that. If you've ever looked up uh, Chris Dickerson, uh, Mr. Olympiad, and he won uh, 11 titles, more uh, weight uh, bodybuilding titles than any bodybuilder to my knowledge in history, uh, maybe the exception of a few of the newer pros. But Chris Dickerson also was on a very high fiber, high complex carbohydrate, low fat, uh, adequate and low uh, medium protein diet. Um, I, I will mention that um, Tom Platts, an amazing, um, very thick, strong, powerful legs uh, at, at the time that I was monitoring the bodybuilding community, uh, also went on an increased high-complex carbohydrate uh, diet, and he said his workouts improved tremendously as well. And it was Carl Lewis, the famous uh, world-fastest man, who actually, uh, at the end of his career, 
he noticed he was declining on his basic high-protein diet, and he switched over uh, after talking with Dr. John McDougall, a good friend of mine, and he went on the high-complex carbohydrate, low-fat, uh, adequate in protein diet, and Carl Lewis broke his own world records as the world's fastest man in the 100-yard dash. Uh, since then, I'm, I'm, there's a few faster men that have broken his record, probably genetic phenomena and uh, other elite athletes. But, you know, it's interesting that uh, at the twilight and the end of his career, he was able to break his own record. Other uh, famous individuals that I've spoken with, Mike Tyson, uh, when his doctor called me about uh, uh, helping to handle some hormonal issues with estrogen imbalances, and I remember them asking me about a whole foods, plant-based diet, and now Mike Tyson, if you take a look, um, look him up, he's following a um, vegan whole plant-based diet. Uh, Bill Pearl, uh, Mr. Universe, was known for his uh, accomplishments in uh, bodybuilding, and he clung to using uh, a lacto-ovo diet, some eggs and and milk, but in later years, in his age 70s and 80s, I met up with him, and he told me that he didn't think he needed to have used those to sustain his amazing physique uh, in bodybuilding. Mike Duncan, um, the famous movie actor, John Sally, the NBA basketball uh, player, Jack Shields, uh, an MMA fighter. More and more athletes are starting to realize that a whole food plant-based diet can meet all of your nutritional and protein needs. But of all of them, I would say Mike Menser was the most scientific. Uh, Mike Menser uh, is... uh, attributed to making the the comment, if you go back and look up some of his old YouTube videos, uh, Mike Menser and his uh, brother Ray Menser uh, were fabulous bodybuilders, and both of them had massive calves and forearms. And their dad, who didn't work out a day in his life, also had similarly massive calves and forearms. So genetically, uh, oftentimes a bodybuilder has to be uh, genetically gifted, if you will, if they're going to form large, good muscle groups. Uh, like Arnold Schwarzenegger. But it's also a combination of intense training, as proven by Casey Viatar, the youngest Mr. America, and Dorian Yates, four-time Mr. Olympiad, uh, using very intense workout training systems. But almost to a T, each one of those individuals, um, if you were to talk to them confidentially, were using very high dosages, in fact, physiologically too high, of testosterone and some other hormones, such as growth hormone. And of course, Physical fitness and, and athletic competitions are now heavily monitored and in most uh, sports uh, tested for abuse of these uh, particular hormones. But the current day athletes, uh, if they are deficient in hormones, could look or seek out bioidentical hormones, which are safer and more natural, using an anti-aging doctor to monitor their levels so they're not using dosages that could, could be potentially problematic. But Mike Menser on the subject of protein, He stated this very clearly. You could gain massive lean muscle mass on only 25 grams of additional protein per day. And he stated that a a 150-pound man or woman who has about 25 pounds of skeletal muscle on their body, which makes up 22% of their body in lean mass, that if they were to do intense training and only consume a little bit more food to take in, uh, let's see, 16, uh, uh, it would be uh, 100 calories added per day, and at 25% uh, of the calories from protein, that would be one gram of extra protein a day. In other words, 600 calories would equal one gram, one pound of muscle, that is, over the course of several months. 
And he stated that a person could only gain about five pounds of lean muscle mass per year. So if they started out at 150 pounds, they'd weigh about 155 pounds with the added muscle at the end of the year. But over the course of five years, they would have added five pounds per year every year for five years. So five times five is 25. They would gain 25 pounds of lean muscle mass. That would double their muscle mass. They would weigh at about 175 or 180 pounds and look like Mr. Universe. That's right. It's that simple. A lot of training and some genetics and certainly probably some hormone augmentation. But if you remove all those other factors and you put down the nutritional facts, the complex carbohydrates are, have a protein sparing effect. He believed using about 20% of calories of protein. I would tell you that as low as 10% of calories in protein would be more than sufficient for an elite athlete and probably between 10 and 20% of fat. Um, it's interesting that Tarmar Indians are a group of people written about by Scott Jurek. And uh, these individuals I heard about from Nathan Pritikin years ago in 1978 when he first uh, shared this lecture with us. And that was a group of people that run nonstop 180 miles. And they can even outrun a horse. Believe it or not, they, they run a horse down and a horse uh, cannot uh, exchange uh, perspiration as well as a human. And uh, these individuals have been known to chase down a horse or a deer. And uh, they're incredible athletes. But their diet, what is it? It's 10% protein, 75% complex carbohydrates, and about 15% of calories from fat, as it's been analyzed from corn tortillas, beans, avocado, panola nuts, chia seeds, and a variety of whole foods. They occasionally eat meat once in a while, but they're too poor to afford elaborate, expensive foods. And so these individuals, when you analyze their diet, exceed the amino acid requirement by somewhere between 200 and 1,000% for human requirement. So if it's good enough for the Tarmar Indians, the greatest ultra-distance runners in the world, according to Scott Jurek, he was one of the few that was able to keep pace with the uh, Tarmars. Eat, read his book, Eat and Run. It's a fabulous uh, discourse about his uh, accomplishment in, in you know, working out with the Tarmar Indians. Uh, and a uh, really interesting story. The New Guinea natives that Nathan Pritikin first uh, shared with our audience at that time are the lowest uh, protein-consuming uh, group of people in the world. They get 3% of protein from the yams and the leaves of the sweet potatoes, 3% fat, and 94% complex carbohydrates. Here's a picture that I have in my archives showing them very muscular, strong people, uh, very primitive people, but uh, the individuals are getting all the protein they need from a plant-based diet that's very, very, very uh, singular in its in its use. But uh, I think we should also compare to the Okinawans who eat uh, at least 75% of their calories from purple sweet potatoes. So I think that sweet potatoes are amongst the best uh, source of whole food and a good source of protein, even though it supplies only between 3 and 6% of calories from protein, it's ideally balanced uh, for the body, high in fiber, and more than adequate to sustain or build muscle in any athlete. That's one of the problems with a plant-based diet, I will say, that if you're just eating carrots, celery, and tomatoes, and squash, and things, there's not enough calories in typical vegetables. So to get your caloric density, rather than adding meat into your diet, as some of these paleo people advocate, I would tell you, add in sweet potatoes. It's one of the best natural foods on the planet. And uh, uh, others, uh, Nutrition for Public Action, and uh, Neil Bernard and others have stated, of one single food, if you were to vote, if you were gonna add that to your diet, and that would be yams or sweet potatoes. Uh, there's many different varieties. They're all good. You can mix them up or try the different ones. But uh, the main thing is to remember, uh, protein is easily obtained uh, on a whole foods diet. 
Other studies on a double-blind placebo control uh, measured uh, athletes, 24 bodybuilders, age 21 to 24, at the University of Tampa, and they compared 48 grams of rice uh, consumed, uh, rice protein compared to dairy whey protein, and they found that after an eight-week um, study that there was identical results in the lean body mass in uh, using the bench press and leg, leg press and strength, uh, the, the ability to have, uh, to that is build up muscle thickness, uh, soreness, uh, the perceived rating of recovery and readiness to train again. In this uh, placebo-controlled study, the group eating the rice protein fared just as well as the dairy whey protein. I'd go further to say long-term you're better off with the rice-based proteins because the whey could be highly inflammatory. Many people are allergic to milk proteins and dairy whey is a milk protein. Rice, I believe, is a better source. I remember uh, back in 1978 meeting Bob Wheeland, uh, who was a double amputee, having served our country in Vietnam, he lost his legs. And he wheeled up in a wheelchair and he said, uh, Nick, I want to work with you in the Pritikin program. At that time, I was director of the entire Pritikin Better Health program, outpatient education program. And Bob was hired by us. We trained him to do lectures. He would go out and do talks each night. And when he first met us, he was quite overweight, uh, probably needing to drop some weight. So he followed our, our protocol of high natural complex carbohydrates, adequate in protein, low in fat. And at the end of the year, he dropped over 100 pounds in body fat. He looked fabulous. He went on to write a book, One Step at a Time, where he actually uh, walked in the New York City Marathon, uh, where I was with him in New York. Uh, he did the Hawaii uh, Ironman Triathlon. But he actually went on to walk across America from Buena Park, California to Washington, D.C., where at the time the president, uh, Ronald Reagan, greeted him. And I have a plaque from Bob Whelan saying that he thanked me for my support and education and the tenacity to assist him in his goals. He's also since cycled on a bicycle, a hand-driven bicycle across the uh, America uh, more than once. And uh, you should look up Bob Whelan and Spirit America, Bob Whelan, W-I-E-L-A-N-D. That's Bob, B-O-B, Whelan, W-I-E-L-A-N-D.com. Uh, it's an inspiration, of course, you know, to, to know elite athletes. And I think, again, one of the big barriers to accomplishing incredible athletic performance is to be concerned of getting enough protein. And as an athlete myself that I still train competitively, uh, having uh, broken the world strength endurance record for hammer chrome press overhead, where I lifted over uh, 50,500 pounds in one hour, doing nearly 2,000 lifts, uh, hammer curl press with dumbbells. Uh, that record, uh, leading up to that record, I consumed uh, no added animal proteins uh, for a better part of a year of training, uh, eating uh, basically around whole plant-based protein foods, fruits and vegetables, beans and peas, potatoes, even white potatoes, which you'll learn later is a good source of protein, believe it or not, and as is yams. So having broken the world record, I went on to break another world record for curls, uh, curling nonstop, 1,038 curls. The prior record uh, was only 550 curls in one hour with 50 pounds, and only one person in the world has ever exceeded that record to my knowledge at this time. And uh, uh, having competed at the Arnold Classic uh, and also at the GNC Classic in Las Vegas with Dragon Radovich, a world-class athlete, uh, you can see that uh, you can sustain and build excellent muscle mass and protein uh, 
absorption through a whole plant-based diet without having to add excess animal protein foods at all. In fact, I believe that you'll be able to perform better. It'll stimulate better lymphatic function, clears the toxins better. You have less BUN, which is blood urea nitrogen, less exposures to ammonia, which is the most toxic substance when you digest protein from animal food. Uh, you don't get those toxic byproducts. I remember helping an a, a individual named Mike and he had severe gout in his foot. He could barely walk. And I told him that we could lower the uric acid levels and probably help him with his gouty arthritis. And he followed my uh, guidelines, went to restaurants with me. I showed him how to order the foods, Asian foods, Italian, Mexican. There's really, really tasty foods you can eat uh, if you know how to select the foods properly in our coaching education program. And he was able to bring his uric acid level down to normal and, and clear up this gouty arthritis problem. And he thanked me at a Brennan Burchard event not too long ago. You know, it's interesting, but athletes, I think, are over, over uh, that is, led to believe that we need an overconsumption of protein from animal foods when in reality the best source of protein is a balanced whole foods diet. Um, seniors, do they need more protein? Bob Delmatique, uh, here uh, shown at, at the time when he was uh, about 80, uh, f uh, that is 84 years old at the time. Uh, Kelly uh, pictured here at age 74 and uh, her daughter Colleen who uh, monitored and chronologized her, her eulogy that is at uh, past age 85 in a really wonderful book she wrote uh, about uh, both of their careers and, and the interesting fact that actually Kelly uh, was never on a uh, animal protein-based diet, uh, at least after she started uh, training effectively at age 65 uh, on up to age 85. So uh, Bob Delmatique in the end of his career realized he could convert over to plant-based protein foods. And the problem is that most athletes, uh, like Bob, developed osteoporosis. They developed uh, other uh, harmful side effects from eating too much animal proteins, thinking from the throwback, uh, throwback to the bodybuilding community that they needed excess protein foods. I think Jack Lang was a good example, though. He knew that eating whole fresh foods and um, blended foods, fruits and vegetables, smoothies. Um, he even made the comment to me, uh, I don't need any foods from a can or a package, you know, just all whole natural foods. Uh, so we have good examples of individuals who, through natural physical training, eating whole plant-based foods, uh, I'm a big advocate, if you're going to use protein-based foods, use the Slim Blend protein because it's a rice-based protein rather than the dairy whey protein foods. And for those uh, individuals who are shown to be deficient in hormones, to balance those hormones out properly. Um, the Roman gladiators, another interesting story. Uh, John McDougall had introduced me to this fact. And the, the, the Romans uh, were called horderia, which meant barley eaters. And the greatest fighters in the history of mankind uh, ate principally barley, beans, dried fruit, and their diet was completely almost devoid of meat and animal protein foods. And I know the movies tend to glorify these gladiators uh, eating a big slab of meat, but that wasn't the case because when the ancient scrolls and when these uh, their uh, grave sites were uh, uh, dug up, they found out the, the truth about the Roman gladiators and why they were such great warriors. Uh, whether that was the cause of them being great warriors, of course, their discipline, their training, but the fact that they could sustain incredible levels of intensity and strength in the, uh, the battlefield and in the Colosseum gladiators uh, did do it by eating a plant-based whole foods diet. Now, I want to make a comment about combining beans and rice and trying to obtain a complete protein uh, from eating plant-based uh, foods. Uh, a myth was perpetuated by Frances Moore LePay when she wrote the book, Diet for a Small Planet. 
And she stated that uh, since plant proteins are incomplete foods to match or make them mimic close to uh, meat or eggs, just like the old rat studies, you'd have to combine rice and beans or yams to get a complete protein. But later in her revised edition, her 10th year revised edition, she stated, I was completely wrong that all eight essential amino acids are present in plant-based protein foods in proper ratios for humans, and we don't have to combine rice and beans to get a complete protein. Now, if you choose to eat a variety of whole plant-based foods, uh, like the color on the rainbow, uh, eggplant, rice, beans, colorful fruits and vegetables, that's good for good phytochemicals and good nutrition and good health, uh, a higher intake of fiber. But to get enough protein, no. You get all the protein you need from eating just rice by itself uh, or just uh, potatoes by themselves. But again, I, I want to encourage a bigger variety of whole natural foods for good nutrition. But it's because the complex carbohydrates have what I mentioned earlier is a protein-sparing effect. That is, whatever protein is present in the fruits and vegetables, rice, beans, and peas, is used for the building blocks for protein. And they're spared. That is, the calories come from the glucose that derives from starch molecules, which starch is a thousand molecules all bound together. And when it goes into your mouth, the saliva um, and the, the different uh, amylase and the breakdown uh, of the glucose molecules breaks them down into one calorie per minute or two calories per minute, that is, and your body gets all the glucose it needs for all the needs of the brain and the muscles and the, the daily body needs. Now, the protein then is left to go to the tissue needs. Remember, you only need about 24 grams of protein a day. Let's just exaggerate it and say you need 50 grams of protein a day, and that's easily obtained when you eat a variety of rice, beans, peas, fruits, and vegetables, which give you at least, by analysis, somewhere between 70 and 80 grams of protein a day on your typical, say, 1,500 to 2,000-calorie now, if you drop below 1,500 calories, I would encourage you to use what we call the Slim Blend Protein, which will give you an added 12 grams of protein per scoop. So you might want to add in two scoops a day just to be sure. That would give you 24 grams of protein, which is all that the body needs to replace what it would lose. Now, I know there's those who say, look, you really shouldn't advocate taking supplements. And it is a supplement. It's what you can use in place of if you're really going on a very low-calorie diet. Not that I'm advocating you go on a very low-calorie diet, but some people are going to do that. I'd rather you do it this way and getting over 30 whole organic fruits and vegetables, the probiotics that's in Slim Blend, the high fiber, which is 8 grams of fiber per scoop, and the fact that it is all organic and GMO-free, I think that would be a good basis as a meal replacement, as a complete meal, um, to replace one or two meals a day if you're trying to lose weight in that fashion. Uh, but remember, exercise, eating whole natural foods, you're going to get all the protein you need. And this is the amazing thing. A cup of split peas, navy beans, or black-eyed peas gives you about 10 grams of protein a day. Green peas gives you about 10 grams. Collars, Brussels sprouts, uh, asparagus, about 8 grams of protein. Now, you compare that to, say, uh, the equivalent amount of chicken or steak or halibut or scalp, about two ounces. It's a little bit smaller amount, but by weight, that's close to 100 grams. You'd be getting about 12 grams of protein. So once again, you're going to get as much uh, grams of protein from the plant-based foods, maybe not quite as much, but uh, more than enough to be absorbed. And I'll remind you that not only Dr. Lee proved absorption was excellent on a rice-based diet compared to chicken and rice, but uh, Brenda Davis in her book, Going Raw in 2014, went further into the studies about protein requirements. Uh, T. Colin Campbell, in his book, uh, The China Study, he goes through in detail the requirements for protein. And he, he states that in, in the review of literature, 
because of the influence of industry, um, that is the food and the meat industry and the dairy industry, they want the public to believe that we need a higher amount of grams of protein per day. So they went on to publish saying that the average person needed somewhere between 10 and 35% protein. Well, T. Colin Campbell called up some of the lead researchers because he knew them very well, and he asked them, he said, why did you say a recommendation of so much protein in the diet? The humans require only 5 or 10% of calories of protein, not, not 30, 10 to 35%. And the two individuals he called admitted that it somehow got slipped in near the end of the, uh, the paper that was submitted to the, um, to the government in, in the documents. And they didn't really agree to that, which is interesting. And one of them even admitted, I didn't know much about nutrition, but I just went along with the committee. But he went on to be hired by a big uh, food company. And, of course, they were very happy that that report upped the amount of protein the average American needs, when in reality, we need to cut way back on the amount of animal protein that uh, we need to, to sustain good health. T. Colin Campbell's further concern um, in my interview with him and, and some other papers that you'll see coming out, and that is that animal proteins are clearly uh, quite highly associated with lymphoma cancer, liver cancer, uh, particularly from chicken, and uh, also the risk of um, many forms of all types of cancers. He's gone on to state that in 14 days, cancer cells, the growth of new cancer cells comes about and is going to grow worse consuming animal proteins. On the opposite side, uh, T. Colin Campbell states that plant-based protein diet, along with walking and or running, can reverse cancer. And this is the first time in history that people are believing that a whole foods diet, just making the proper selection. But remember, the key is, where do you get your protein from? If you're getting your protein from animal proteins, you're probably not going to fare very well in your battle against cancer. If you're making your diet centered around all plant-based proteins, that's going to be one of the keys in my 12-page paper about um, the uh, complete guide to whole nutrition for longevity and combating cancer. And you can get that at uh, our website, uh, and uh, you can find out more information at the various links that I can provide here here. Um, uh, if you were to ask our office or take a look at fightdisease.info or text uh, the number... Uh, to uh, the name Nick to 72,000-72000 and you'll get a free gift of that 12-page paper uh, that outlines specifically the steps that you need to follow on good whole nutrition to combat uh, cancer and build up the immune system. So I'd like to go into the fact that not only do we need to make sure we get the right type of protein to absorb, but now I want to caution you to not overdo your protein amount in your diet. In studies on kidney uh, kidney research, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the kidneys uh, have to detoxify or process the protein that goes through the body. And kidney dialysis uh, is very common, that is kidney failure in individuals on a high-protein diet. So I want to, again, remind you that the benefit of going on a plant-based protein diet that's safe and adequate in protein and lower in concentration of overall harmful protein byproducts like blood urea nitrogen and ammonia, that the kidneys will function far better, and during your entire lifetime, you'll probably sustain good kidney function. But one of the number one causes of kidney failure is what? excess animal proteins, no doubt about it. Excess protein causes mineral loss. It's one of the leading causes of osteoporosis because the blood becomes very acidic on a high protein, high milk, non-fat milk included, 
and fish and chicken and turkey, all these things are very high in amino acids and they're a sulfur-based type amino acid that tends to be rather toxic to the bones. And the only way to neutralize that excess acidity in the blood is to release calcium, magnesium, zinc from the bones to neutralize it. And we then, of course, are leaching out minerals, particularly calcium, out of the bones and it's the leading cause of osteoporosis. We know this because in cultures like Eskimos, they eat a huge amount of protein. They eat more protein than any culture in the world. They eat the fish uh, uh, in large quantities, and fish is very high in protein. And they find that even though they eat the bones of the fish they catch, which contributes over 2,200 milligrams of calcium per day, which is a high amount of, of calcium, the average uh, World Health Organization suggests somewhere between say three to 600 milligrams of calcium a day. But the reason that they take in so much extra calcium and it still doesn't keep up with it is because of this, what's called negative uh, calcium balance. It keeps drawing more calcium out that you can possibly take in through supplements, through eating bones, through any other source. So by cutting back on your, uh, your animal protein base, switching over to plant-based proteins like the Bantu natives of, of Africa, these individuals give birth to an average of nine children. They nurse each child for an average of two years. That's 18 years of, of breastfeeding. So they need a lot of calcium, you'd think, uh, during the course of uh, rearing their children and raising children. But they get all the calcium they need from eating millet and, and vegetables and, and whole fruit and so forth, and they don't even eat or consume animal protein food. So there's another good example. They have very good bone density uh, amongst the lowest incidence of osteoporosis, just like in Hong Kong, where they eat basically a rice vegetable type diet, and they have excellent bones with almost no osteoporosis in their culture. Whereas in America, where we eat a very high protein animal-based diet, we have amongst the highest incidence of osteoporosis only below, say, the Eskimos, which even eat even more protein than we do. So bone fractures can be prevented. Uh, and it's quite likely you can build up your bone density through a plant protein-based diet by minimizing the animal uh, protein intake by exercise, weight-bearing exercises, by making sure your hormones are properly balanced, including testosterone growth hormone that are even more important than, say, estrogen in maintaining healthy bone density. So take our hormone quiz at uh, DelgadoProtocol.com and take the lifestyle medicine quiz, and you'll see uh, some of the evidence to start with and then follow some testing for blood, urine, and saliva and find out what your actual hormones are, particularly at any age. You could be hormone deficient as a child. You could be hormone deficient as a young adult or teenager because we work with a lot of young people with acne, which, by the way, is usually caused by uh, a high fish, high meat, high chicken, high animal-based diet because it increases the mTOR enzyme. And we know that fruits, vegetables, and potatoes and rice are low in leucine, which reduces the mTOR enzyme. And now we know the mTOR enzyme, which forces growth, particularly in the skin and other parts of the body, is implicated not only in a shortened longevity, but the mTOR can uh, increase the rate of cancer. So for all those reasons, we need to shift over to a plant-based protein diet. Is fish safe? Well, people will tell you fish is a good source of protein, but I'd tell you that's not your goal. Try not to consume additional protein, particularly from fish. Uh, fish, uh, tuna packed in water is under 5% uh, uh, of fat. It's about uh, almost 88% uh, uh, protein and 85% uh, uh, well, 95% uh, uh, protein that is and about 5% fat. It has virtually no carbohydrate in it. Also tuna packed in water has as much cholesterol as red meat, which makes it another problem. Uh, the salmon has about 75% fat and about uh, 40 some percent protein. So again, uh, fish and so forth, uh, if you do eat it, be careful uh, because it does have uh, a 
potential amount of PCBs, which are very toxic estrogen-like mimics. Uh, it tends to have as much cholesterol as red meat. Also, fish tends to be contaminated with heavy metals, possibly radioactive particles as well. And it's a leading cause of salmonella exposure. Uh, chicken is probably worse, but salmonella can come from shellfish and fish. So I wrote an article, Is Fish Safe? It's posted at worldhealth.net. I think you'll find the discourse and the explanation quite clear. My goal is to encourage you to start learning that fish, chicken, and turkey meat is not your best source of protein, that you need to start looking at plant-based proteins as your best source of protein. When you look at the charts and graphs, you see that you get certainly protein from these various animal protein foods, but you also get a lot of fat and you get cholesterol. And I think you'll learn in the, in the following evidence around the world that we need to cut back for a, a lot of good reasons. So protein in the diet is a leading cause of heart disease. Why? Because people who think they need to eat more protein are also getting more cholesterol in their diet and potentially more fat, which increases the triglycerides. Uh, if you look at the studies around the world, McGill uh, published their studies on atherosclerosis, uh, the geography uh, pathology of atherosclerosis, that is, in individuals aged 10 to 69. And they looked at 14 different nations and they published their results uh, on autopsy. 22,000 people were autopsied between that study and Barnes in his report in atherosclerosis on 10,000 autopsies in uh, his publication. And collectively, that is 22,000 people were autopsied and they found without exception, every culture that consumed animal-based protein foods, which also, as I mentioned, are not only high in uh, protein, they're high in cholesterol and they're high in fat, even if they're lean meats, they still have as much cholesterol as red meat. Uh, what we found was that these individuals had atherosclerosis or plaques in their arteries. And it wasn't enough just to take statins to lower cholesterol. Statins have their side effects, impotency, cancer, muscle pain, kidney failure, sui suicidal tendency, memory loss, depletion of CoQ10, uh, elevated liver enzymes. Uh, at last count, somewhere over uh, 23 million people are on statins. In the U.S. alone, 13 million uh, are taking it. So is this a solution to atherosclerosis, or is it better to look at what Caldwell Esselstyn in his book, Reverse Heart Disease, or Dean Ornish in his book and his publications about, uh, along with my original mentor, uh, Nathan Pritikin and John McDougall and my publications, what we can do to reverse cardiovascular disease by switching to a plant-based, low-protein, getting out the animal protein foods, and cleaning up the arteries. Jeffrey Life is a physician who I met recently, and he's got pictures of him in all the flight magazines of this before-after, this amazing individual at age 64. Well, at age 54, he was quite overweight, uh, had a, a belly, and needed to get in shape. And he got motivated to start working out, balancing his hormones, and he got in fabulous shape. Jeffrey Life, uh, when I interviewed him, went on to say, though, last year he went on a whole plant-based vegan diet after studying what Caldwell Esselstyn taught, what Dean Ornish taught. Now at age 77, he's in the best shape of his life. He's been able to work on uh, improving his heart function because it, he had had a heart attack from being on a high animal protein diet for all those years. And so we learn from other individuals that as they age, we can age gracefully uh, by following a healthy whole foods diet. Now, another uh, undesirable thing happens when you eat fish, chicken, turkey, or meat, or dairy product, or nonfat milk. That is that these animal proteins take eight times more water to digest than the same amount of plant-based uh, protein foods. So when you're eating these fish, chicken, eggs, and so forth, eight glasses of water, that's right, eight glasses of water compared to only one glass of water needed to digest the plant-based foods. 
Furthermore, the plant-based foods like watermelon and tomatoes contribute water, so they don't require, not only do they not require, they add water to the system. And the human body, when we're born, we, you know, we, we have 70, 80% of our body uh, weight by water. Uh, and as we get older, we tend to dehydrate and shrink away and, and develop wrinkles and have all kinds of um, muscle problems and so forth as we dehydrate and form other problems. Dr. Matt Maislin's book, Our Body's Many Cries for Water, proves that we need to figure out ways to sustain a healthy water intake from the foods that we eat and not deplete it on a high-protein diet. Do a simple experiment. For about five days, eat only uh, lean fish and uh, egg whites and chicken if you wish, just get the leanest cuts possible so it's mostly the protein and not the fat, and consume that for five days and monitor your water intake and watch how thirsty you become, how your urine turns yellow because it's having trouble keeping up the byproducts of chemical uh, protein metabolism, and then switch now back to uh, a, a fruit and vegetable, uh, maybe rice, maybe yams with it, cut out all the meat and the dairy, and notice how your consumption of water needs will drop dramatically. And notice how the urine will run clear again, uh, clear like a baby's, because you're getting all the hydration without the excess toxins from proteins. So athletes, that's very important because athletics requires uh, maintaining a high degree of hydration. So that's another secret of why athletic performance will improve on a high complex carbohydrate, high plant protein based diet. Now, I know you think that I'm biased and, you know, this is something that I, I've been led to teach you. But uh, after reviewing the literature and being from a meat-based, dairy-based culture for food group, I was raised in that fashion. And I got to tell you, kicking and scratching, I didn't want to change my diet. But when I reviewed the literature, reviewed my own results and looked at athletic performance and looked at cultures around the world, it was undeniable to me that the most important thing you can do to improve your health is to cut back on the amount of animal proteins. Indeed, substitute wherever you can. If you're thinking of eating fish, chicken, or turkey, or meat, each day you can come up with a, a recipe from our book, Simply Healthy Cookbook. Maybe it'll be a bean and rice burrito with, with guacamole and lettuce and tomato. Maybe the next day you'll have a, a rice whole grain uh, noodle uh, with spaghetti and squash and eggplant. And another day you'll have sweet potatoes and a casserole and soups and salads. Every day is a new day that can improve your health in the... Uh, Ability to combat cancer, cardiovascular disease, Alzheimer's disease. Alzheimer's disease? Absolutely. If you look up Alzheimer's, his original medical journals, as reported in nutritionfacts.org, um, Michael Greger brought up the fact that Alzheimer's himself, who the disease was named after, pointed out that multiple small strokes in those eating an animal-based diet, which is high in cholesterol, protein, and fat, that these individuals had the highest incidence of of uh, Alzheimer's dementia and uh, decreased circulation to the brain. In the book, uh, Brain Fitness by uh, Bob Goldman and Ron Klatz, um, they refer to the NUN study. And the nuns who were plant-based protein uh, uh, intake or vegans, that is, had little or no strokes during their lifetime, maintained good mental function, Alzheimer's and dementia was virtually non-existent. And I know there's some conversation of these kind of weird kind of algamoid type proteins. Um, and this, they think, is the cause of Alzheimer's. But the reality is uh, the nuns who were on an animal-based diet had a high incidence of dementia, Alzheimer's, and a high incidence of multiple small strokes. So we know that cardiovascular disease 
once you face this problem to maintain your brain function, you need to eat a healthy whole foods diet. Individuals 100, 101 in Okinawa and, and Bama, China, and around the world, there's an individual um, uh, in, in Arizona, Bernardo Lapello, who, who's on a, a mostly a plant-based uh, whole foods diet. These individuals maintain not only healthy protein intake levels from the plant vegetable foods, but their hormone levels are balanced throughout their lifetime uh, much better than if they weren't on a whole foods diet. I think there's something about animal meat and dairy products that interfere with your hormone metabolism, particularly getting excess estrogen, which is a subject of a whole other talk that I'll cover at a later time. So in summary, eating the whole plant-based foods, fruits, vegetables, beans, and peas, uh, follow a meal plan that uh, we can give you access to at our website, delgadoprotocol.com. Look up the articles at nickdelgado.com if you wish. If you wish, and uh, please again study the, the various aspects of health and nutrition. I recommend that for those of you who are on a low calorie intake to reduce your body weight. Those of you who are exercising on a low calorie diet, go ahead, switch to the Slim Blend Protein Diet. It'll work great. Add the Slim Blend Protein. It'll meet your caloric needs. Uh, that is the protein, the fiber, and nutrition. Hi, Dr. Nick Delgado here. Please give us a review on iTunes and we'll be happy out of the group of reviews to choose a lucky winner of one of our award-winning products. It could be EstroBlock, Adrenal DMG, Stem Cell Strong, or even Power and Speed. We'll ship you a bottle at no cost. You'll enjoy it just from basically giving us a review on iTunes. Also, visit DelgadoProtocol.com. That's DelgadoProtocol.com and take our free hormonal quiz. Looking forward to assisting you to be your absolute best.